The Friday Reporter launched in March of 2021 as a conversation with today's journalists and has expanded to include newsmakers, lawmakers, image makers, and just about anybody who's in the news or the news adjacent business. The podcast is in partnership with PR Daily and is part of the Big Wig Podcast Network. If you like the show, please hit the subscribe button to make sure you've got ready access to the latest conversation. And if you've got an idea for a great guest, don't forget to send your ideas to Lisa at FridayReporter.com. Well, hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. As I told you just a few weeks ago, I am getting some of the best and most fun pitches for this show. And to me, it's really a sign of success and a sign of validation. Today's guest is with Corey Nathan, who is the host of Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other, which to me is, I can't wait to get into this, Corey, because (laughs) I'm so glad you reached out. I'm so glad to be connected with you. Um, thanks so much for being with me. Well, first of all, I got to give you crap because, you know, being from Jersey, you should have gotten the talking and the killing without the G on you, but you got the talking and the killing. So I had like, to clean we have it a up. problem right out of the gate. <laughs> you know, I had to clean it up when I moved to town because people really sort of, they knew I wasn't from around here. So it's people say my accent has been sanitized. Although if you and I were to share a beer, you'd quickly find out that exit 7A is exactly where I'm from. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our, our old stomping grounds right out of Asbury Park. That's I awesome. Know. I know. I love it so much. And we didn't even know that until five minutes ago that we're both Jersey kids. So, all right. So Corey, so tell me a little bit about your show. You obviously came to, to this endeavor kind of in a similar way that I did, that you felt like the environment around conversations has really become really electrified and challenged in a way that makes it difficult to talk about things that ordinarily we would be able to talk about. Tell me about your show. Yeah. Thank you. I realized a long time ago that there were certain issues I was engaged in, but there was no issue that was as important as how we actually relate to each other, how we think about each other. If we're on a different side of an issue, or if we are supporting a different candidate, then all of a sudden there was this dehumanization process that was going on and a vilification process that was going on. And I thought more than anything, we got to figure out how to talk to each other you know, and in my life, it, it wasn't just about politics. It was about other important issues, whether it was religion or over the last few few years, some of my really good friends have been very much involved in, in um, after George Floyd was killed, the, the protests that summer. So race, religion, politics, all these issues that are really important to talk about, that it's about how we figure out how to live among each other. We're not doing it really well. So we got to figure out how to talk to people that think differently than we do, believe differently than we do, are watching or reading different news outlets than we do, and just figure out how to do it a little bit better. Have you found that, um, what do you attribute that to? I mean, some people say that quarantine was a piece of that. Others point to social media and smartphones. Over the course of time, what are you finding? Are you are you realizing that maybe there's something, one thing or another that's contributed to that, or is it all just part of the the epidemic that we're living through? In the shorter term, I think you're right. I, I have some friends that weren't particularly politically engaged, and there there were certain things that happened throughout 2020 and 2021 that I, I'll just say that they became radicalized in one way or another, mm-hmm. um, and and 
you know, I just heard about it last night. A friend of mine that I used to have great conversations with decided to move to a whole different area because she just can't stand to hang out with those liberals anymore. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Kristen, you, you, you I, I was the only a liberal adjacent person, like, you know, that you ever hung out with or talked to. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not a liberal. I'm, I'm a independent. I'm sometimes on the right of center, left of center, but uh, I'm more of an independent. But She's, I was the only person that she knew that knew and hung out with liberals. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't even know any. So, um, so that, that was part of it. But I think it's something that's been happening gradually over a long period of time. And one huge piece of that is where we're getting our news from, where we're getting our commentary and analysis from. Uh, I was reading a piece from 2017 that Matt, um, Matt Lewis wrote about uh, how he basically got canceled or banned from Fox News because he dared to say something edifying about CNN uh, in, in, during the Obama administration. And it reminded me that there's this progression that uh, Fox News uh, used to have really good reporters, used to have, like in recent history, yep. like people who were really devoted to good journalism, good reporting, good news. Uh, but the commitment of the company is is a different one now. I think it has transformed. And I'm not castigating Fox News, broadly speaking, or Newsmax or or these other OANN. They, it's their companies that have every right to uh, to dedicate their, their efforts and their mission to a certain thing. It's not necessarily uh, journalism. It's not necessarily uh, objective reporting. So that's their right. But what it does is I've, I've seen that even for my friends who are not watching and just I'm using Fox News now, sure. even for my friends who don't have it on all the time, it's in the air. It's in the general conversations that they're having at church. It's in the general thinking, the default positions that my Bible, a lot of folks in my Bible study uh, default to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge part of it. I think there are other parts of it, too, is, you know, sociologists have tracked with the geographic sorting that's taken place. So I was sort of, you know, lightheartedly making fun of my friend Kristen, but I live in a purple district, California 27, which decided by 333 votes in 2020 uh, or 2020. Yeah, 2020. Very closely held district. But more and more of my friends from church and the Christian school that my kids used to go to, they're moving to Idaho. They're moving to Tennessee. They're moving to not Austin, Texas, but most of the rest of Texas, you know, <laughs> so geographic sorting is a part of it too. We don't hang out with people who think differently than we do. So I think there are these big factors where we get our news from is a big one. Who we're hanging out with is a big one. Geographic sorting is a big one. It's all contributing to the reality, the fact that if you don't know folks who think differently than you do, you're not having these conversations. You're not questioning your own assumptions. And then we get stayed and sort of encrusted into these information uh, social political bubbles that we can't seem to break out of. God, that's so interesting and so true. And I never thought about it that way in terms of the geographic sorting, but I think you're right. News and uh, your online feed and everything else you do is really curated to your own interests. And so it narrows our point of view and it narrows our ability to think outside of that space. And to me, I think more than ever, it makes it that much more difficult to have those conversations. Um, your journey is especially interesting to me, Corey, because you grew up as a as a Jewish kid in a, in a section, a section of New Jersey that I'm very, very familiar with, and then found your way in your twenties to be a born again Christian. 
talk to me about that personal journey and how you feel like that necessitated the ability to have these challenging conversations. Yeah, it's a, it's a long story. I, I'll try not to make it too long, but yeah, I grew up, you know, in central Jersey, going to an Orthodox synagogue. So I was going even closer to you than, than where we lived. Uh, many Shabbos uh, we, we'd have these things called Shabbaton in, in Lakewood mm-hmm. at some of the synagogues there. Uh, grew up very observant. And I, I remember even as a little kid, even before I was bar mitzvahed, I remember going through a lot of the um, services. I didn't, I didn't speak fluent Hebrew, certainly not ancient Hebrew that we have in the, uh, in the services. Um, but so I would often read the English translations and there were the, would be these concepts that just baffled me that, mm-hmm. that they were <laughs> for as much as a nine-year-old or 10-year-old kid could have them like existential profundities that I needed to continue to grapple with throughout my teens and into my twenties. And there were certain questions, religious questions, theological questions that I thought, um, I, I finally came around to really studying some of these, clarifying what those questions were. So for example, not to get too philosophical, but uh, for example, do I believe in what I think of as an open universe uh, or, or a closed universe? A closed universe is everything we see, we can observe physically, we can see it, we can hear it, we can detect it. Everything happens within an, a natural or physical order. Or do I believe in an open universe outside of which something transcendent exists and can act upon and within. And I decided the latter is what I believed. Okay, then what do I believe about this transcendent being, this God, if you will? And long story short, I ended up coming to some of the most inconvenient conclusions that the problem of death was was encountered and confronted and beaten by the person, the historic uh, Jesus of Nazareth or Yeshua mm-hmm. ben Yosef. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in reading, uh, I finally got around to reading the New Testament, the, the gospel accounts and the letters. And I came very quickly upon what I recognized as a Devar Torah, uh, which is uh, in, in, I don't know if this is a case in conservative or reform Judaism, but in Orthodox Judaism, you read portions from the Torah three times a week. And then the rabbi does Devar Torah. He gives an explanation of what you just read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading this, the most brilliant of our Torah I'd ever come across. What I didn't realize that the, the dots I didn't put together was it was Jesus doing the Sermon on the Mount. Oh. Like, yeah, that's a pretty good, you know, that's a pretty good lesson <laughs> or, okay. or two or 12, you know? Yeah. Um, so that ultimately led me to accepting this notion that Jesus was in fact Messiah. I became a Christian and, uh, <laughs> And then the fun, the fun ensued. Go, go on and tell your Brooklyn-born Jewish parents <laughs> that, you know, that you're Jewish is like, I, I mean, I could have gone home and said anything. I'm a gay Buddhist atheist. Like, and, and Phyllis, my mother, would have been like, oh, that's nice. What do you want for lunch? I got some tuna fish, you know. <laughs> but she's like, Jesus, I never thought I'd have a son that was walking with Jesus. <laughs> so, so I had to have some difficult conversations around religion with my parents. Yeah. So it was fun. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, so the neighborhood I grew up in, it was half Catholic, half uh, Ashkenazi, more like more reformed Jewish. Jewish it's the same thing, though. It's, Catholic it, and it, Jews. It's, it's like. One invented guilt, the other one's perfected it. I, you know? it's like, I heard somebody say, same administration, different division. That's right. That's right. Um, and so, like, and, but I get that. And I get that whole, um, the piece of the culture. And so I can't imagine how difficult. So talk about having difficult conversations, 
your podcast really came out of your own personal life where you had to have your own personal hard conversation for the first time. That's difficult. And I'm sure that I'm sure since then, obviously it's gotten easier to talk about, but my goodness. And the podcast itself now is how many, how long have you been at it? We've been at it about the same time. So I started, it's almost exactly three years ago. I started in October of 2020. Okay. Yeah, wow. we're so 170 or so episodes in. We do it weekly. I might go to twice a week, and I, I don't know. It just I'm going with the flow, going where the uh, the spirit takes us, if you will. You know, I get it though, because that's what happens with this little show too. At first, I started, and I thought I'll have one episode a month because I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I literally have. I, I mean, COVID gave me a little extra time to check out YouTube and figure out how to do this. And people now have since said, how did you build a podcast? So I put together a little memo and shared it with people because I was like, here's how you do it. You know, like this is an easy way to do it. But it quickly became a weekly show. And and now, I mean, it's to the point where it flows. Like last week, I had a great conversation with somebody about how to put yourself back together and go into the office and look like you haven't been sleeping in your clothes all day long. You know, like a, like a stylist, like ways to present yourself again. Um, and by the way, that's why I'm wearing a nice shirt. I listened to that episode <laughs> and I'm like, I better not do the whole T-shirt thing. I better come in with a little bit of. You could have you know. done a T-shirt. You could do whatever you want. This is a, this is my show. So you come as you are. Um, but I did that mostly because I felt like so many of us, I, I have clients that will call me and say, I'm giving a speech. What am I supposed to wear? Um, Cause everybody since COVID has really been like, I mean, I can't wear my joggers and my, in my headband. Um, so anyway, so she was a great friend of mine, but the show itself has really evolved over time. And it sounds like yours has too, where it's just, it's just great to have these conversations and talk about these issues and talk for me specifically to talk to journalists who are covering things that they probably never expected to cover when they first got started. Um, but you have really found a way to reclaim that space right in the public arena that's been hijacked by hyperbolic, angry, aggressive sort of speakers and conversations. Tell me a little bit about what kinds of guests are you hosting? What kinds of people are you bringing on? Um, For those people who are new to the show that I will definitely make sure have a link so that they can find you and they can listen in more frequently. Oh man. So first of all, I should have you, I should hire you, put you on retainer as my publicist because you articulated it even better than I could, what the show is all about. But yeah, so the kinds of guests, so thank you for that, by the way, I appreciate that. Um, The kinds of guests I have, I started out, the first guest I had technically was my dad, because I thought it was important to revisit that conversation from 20 something years ago and see where we're at now. Mm -hmm. And I even had my dad on as a co-host for a number of episodes, but like he's an old Jew. So that like his capacity to make bodily noises without even trying was just a little bit too much (laughs) for the podcast medium. (laughs) And I love my dad, but you know, um, it was, it was good comedy, but uh, over time, there were people in academics, uh, religious leaders, journalists, uh, elected officials, people in the public space that whose work I admired, who I thought were leading the way in, as you say, reclaiming some space from the hyperbolic extremist screamers that that took it over. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we a mutual uh, acquaintance of ours, somebody I, I have such an affinity for, uh, Julie Mason, was one of the first people who got back to me. I just reached out on a whim. I figured out how to get a hold of various people. Some people make themselves more accessible than others. Yep. And the journey has been an amazing one where I have what I call the inverted don't you know who the hell I am moment. 
Meaning <laughs> like when, when a Julie Mason gets back to you and I've been, I had been listening to her on Poetis for years and I love her partly because of how much she really respects great jur journalists who are devoted to their craft um, and also reveres just good journalism as a vocation. And I thought that that was important. And then when she got back to me, I'm like, wait, don't you know who the hell I am? Like, I'm a nobody. And yet here's <laughs> Julie Mason, my friend from the radio, who's like getting back to me. And right. again and again, it's happened. Charlie Sykes w came on early on. Um, and I loved what they were building with the dispatch. Now it's this huge, you know, this huge platform. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of folks on from the dispatch. Uh, oh, excuse me. He's bulwark. We've had a lot of folks on from the dispatch. Yes. Um, have some great uh, Washington Post. Jen Rubin came on a couple, a couple months ago. Awesome. Um, Sometimes I, I, what I also try to do is I try to, I, I make a point of if somebody looks at the people who've been on and had these conversations, I want it to look like the country that we live in. Yeah. There's so many different people from different backgrounds and different stories that look different. Um, and, and we should be having conversations among all, all of each other. Yeah, I agree. You know, so one week it might be, and I, I'm, sometimes I go outside of the journalism, politics and religion route. And I had like, um, uh, Larry Wilmore on a few weeks ago. Larry's just a brilliant writer. He's been engaged politically, like when he was on uh, uh, The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was hosting it. Um, but he's just brilliant, engaged, has some great takes, has a great podcast. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. You know, I'll have a young up-and-coming reporter like Mariana Alfaro we had on a few weeks ago. Uh, but then some folks have become... Uh, have I'm I'm so thrilled to say and I feel like it's a blessing to be able to say people like John Roush who's Jonathan Roush whose work I've, I've been reading for years you know his book from a couple of years ago the constitution of knowledge I think should be required reading for anyone who cares about our democracy who cares about our polis um and he came on he's come on the show four different times actually that's awesome uh, Mike Madrid who I thought was doing great work uh with the with the Lincoln project brilliant strategist brilliant numbers guy got got a, a republican elected statewide in, in california when he got uh, the governor elected <laughs> so you know just different people from all different kinds of backgrounds that. um that's uh and we're gonna just keep on keep on stepping up to the plate and taking some swings Isn't that so. so fun i mean it seems to me like and based on your experience you obviously started your life as a stockbroker uh, which yeah. makes sense most of our friends growing up in new jersey either did that or they went to new york and they did like creative communications, theater, and other things. Sounds like you merged both of those and did a little bit of <laughs> some creative theater and some stockbroking. I dig it because I, I get it. This is That's yeah. the world we came from. Um, but you also, you have a couple of other podcasts that you do work on too. Tell me a little bit about those. Yeah, so I, 
I really love this medium. I, you're right. I, I started out as a stockbroker during the day, but I was doing a theater conservatory thing at night. And then eventually I started producing theater, tiny theater, like not Broadway size houses, uh, but, um, you know, 99 seaters off Broadway houses. And I, I've been a producer at heart for most of my adult life. And then when I discovered podcasting, I just fell in love with the medium yeah. and started imagining what kinds of stories could be told uniquely in this medium and how do you do it well how do you take advantage of what this uh this medium has to offer uh uniquely so i had a couple different people on the show uh over the last couple of years lisa, lisa sharon harper who wrote a, a great book called fortune how race broke my family and the world and how to repair it all which is a history account of her family going back 10 11 generations and uh and then i had liz joiner on the show. She has a, an organization, a nonprofit called the Village Square. And they were two of the people that I thought, man, I really believe in what they're doing. I believe in what they're contributing to our culture. And they both had a little bit of a podcast presence, but I reached out to him, out, out to them as sort of like a podcast evangelist of sorts. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I love what you're doing. I just want more. I'm a fan. And in both cases, they were like, that's a great idea. And you're just the man to help me. So, okay, nice. Yeah. So the Freedom Road, real simply put, is um, with Lisa Sharon Harper, the way she describes it is beautiful. She says, this is the, the march from Selma to Montgomery is still happening. We're on it. And these are the conversations we're having. So she has other social justice leaders on the show. Cool. Liz is is just brilliant and winsome and charming and lovely and smart as a whip. And the most, if she was in the head of the UN, I think we'd have world peace like overnight. Oh, um, her organization is uh, the Village Square. So she'll pull what I call stunts, but they're they're good trouble stunts. Like she shut down downtown Tallahassee and set up a hundred coffee tables. And the only rules were a liberal on one side, a conservative on the other side. And here's what we're talking about. And then all of a sudden, people from different sides of the aisle, the you know, proverbial aisle, yeah. started talking to each other. How cool That's what her that? program's been about since 2006. And uh, we have it. people on the podcast uh, kind of advancing that, that notion in those stories. Wow. So they're two really, they're like outshoots of yeah. talking politics and, and religion without killing yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, which is great. So it's getting really in-depth and having these two great narrator, narrators that are like doing this cool work. That's really, really neat. I mean, I love that. I've talked to some folks about some other podcast ideas I have. Sounds like you and I both are kind of, because I, I went to the College of New Jersey, which when I went, it was called Trenton State College. Trenton State, yeah. And I, uh, when I applied, I was a communications and theater major. And shortly thereafter, they decided that, that that really wasn't a path that people were taking anymore. So they turned it into straight communication. So I did a little bit of both. Um, but I was a theater kid myself when I was young and in high school. And to me, I was never really super comfortable with having a blog, like a written opinion piece. But I loved the idea of hosting people, smart people to have cool conversations about things. And I've done it for all these years. Networking is, I think, inherent of the, in the Northeast for sure. Networking is just part of the way we do our thing. We just hook up with people for coffee or lunch and we just talk about all of the things but I've turned it into a show and it's to yeah. me just so fun and interesting. So tell me, Corey, uh, when you're not podcasting and you're not doing, um, everything else that you're doing in your world, what keeps you busy? I drink, uh, whiskey <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, um, I actually do. I drink, I drink uh, rye. No, I, um, you know, I run a few businesses. So, okay. uh, this, this, 
uh, production company is is my newest endeavor. Um, but I I've been involved in the entertainment industry as like a headhunter, mergers and acquisitions guy since 1999. Um, in fact, we're relaunching the very first podcast I did, which is called Trailer Geeks and Teaser Gods, about the history of the coming attractions industry and the people who make all the brilliant movie posters, uh, which I is a crazy, that. it's like uh, one of my friends, uh, he was listening to that podcast when we were doing it. He's like, I want to do Mad Men, but for entertainment advertising and in the 80s, you know, when it was really cool, when it was all hookers and blow. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you can't say that. No, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, um Oh, I don't know. Well, People have... might listen. <laughs> People Sorry. might listen. Yeah, I know. Uh, it'll get some clicks, but um, no doubt. Uh, yeah, but so I, I run those businesses. I, you know, I have a family. Miss um, Lisa, my my wife. Uh, we've been married for over twenty six years. I met her in Alabama, so, but she started Chapter Two when our our youngest cub got uh, you know got his driver's license. She started looking for what her next vocational endeavor is going to be. Long story short, she ended up uh, getting a job with United Airlines. She's, so she's been based up in San Francisco. So anytime I see like a day on her schedule that's open, I get in my car and I drive up to San Francisco to hang out with my my girlfriend, my girl, oh, I my, love my it. wife. I love so, it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and two dogs, which I'm also, I'm surprised they haven't made an appearance because typically they, they'll bark, they'll be barking in the background, my two guys. Yeah, yeah. So Bailey just came in to say hello. Uh, Charlie is on edge because he knows that the Amazon man's coming soon. So <laughs> I, I won't be surprised if we we're living the same life. This is hilarious. Same, same. And typically it's around this time that bingo yeah. makes his appearance known and his barking in the background, because this is what happens when you have a podcast from your house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that so much. Okay. So as we get to the end of our conversation today, Corey, uh, I'm going to ask you, here's the deal. Cause I've never done this on the show before. I'm going to ask you for a recommendation for who I should okay. have next. And then I'm going to give you a recommendation for your own show. Awesome. Well, I absolutely, um, if you haven't had Jonathan Rausch on your program, he's a brilliant writer. He's a brilliant mind. Um, you know, and, and then the last time I had John on, he's been on the show a few times. Uh, the last time I had him on was with Pete Wayner. And one of the things that's really endearing about John is John, John is an atheist um, Pete is a devout Christian and they're the best of friends. Um, you know, so hearing them talk to each other, they're genuinely earnestly curious. They're so intelligent. Um, and their intelligence poetically comes through in their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are two people that come to mind right away. Um, and the other person I think would be great. And this is more, it's not self-serving for me per se, but self-serving for what I'm passionate about is a lady named Monica Guzman, Mani Guzman. Um, she's also a brilliant journalist uh, and she's involved as a, I forget what they call her, but she's like a senior delegate with an organization called Braver Angels. She wrote a book that came out about this time, maybe a little less than a year ago called, I Never Thought of It That Way. And she articulates exactly what the problem about talking to people you disagree with she articulates it so well, and even more importantly, gives some prescriptions of how can we do this better? What I derive from that book, not to give it all away, because it's definitely worth a read, I never thought of it that way, is it's more of a disposition. Like anybody that I talk to, no matter how much I think I disagree with them on the surface, I want to have the disposition of leaving room for the possibility that I'll come to a point where I say, huh, I never thought of it that way. 
<laughs> you know, that's and, and that. having that radical curiosity like Monty talks about. So Monica Guzman, Pete Wainer, Jonathan Rash, wonderful, wonderful people, brilliant people, all brilliant writers. I've learned so much from each of them. And I could go on. I mean, there's I know. dozens of well, people. That's, but... And that's the best part about it. So when we were going, when we were getting started for full disclosure, for those who are listening in, um, I went back through my list and wanted to find somebody that would not only be a great connection for you and a great um, conversation, but also just a great person to have on the show. And my good friend, Chris Steyerwalt, who is on News Nation, who has a column at the Dispatch. So you're familiar with some of their their work there already because you've had some of their folks already on, um, but also was at Fox News and has a tremendous perspective about journalism, started his career in West Virginia. He would be a dynamite conversation. He's a ton of fun to talk to. So I'll make that connection today after we get done. Corey Nathan, we could talk on 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 and on for another hour, but the show's only 30 minutes long. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This was so much fun. I'm glad that we know each other now. I'm serious. When I'm in D.C., lunch is on me. You better. I love it. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I love having this show. I love you to be part of it. Thanks again. Thanks to PR Daily for being a partner. And thanks to the folks at Big Wig Podcast for letting us be part of their network. See you soon.